You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. No game last night, so today we're wandering into the podcast Hinterland. We are taking you off the trail today, so hopefully you've packed a couple cliff bars and you're wearing appropriate shoes. When you've come to City Field the last few years, Tom Goodwin has been the friendly first base coach, former big leaguer with some wheels, was always, in the words of Billy Joel, quick with a joke or to light up your smoke. But now that position's turned over. So when you watch the Mets at City Field this weekend and all year, you got to know the name Wayne Kirby. Easy to spot, shaped a little like a circle these days, but at one point, quite the ball player, a brother who was a star football player, He's always been tight with Buck Showalter. You're going to hear from him today. Yeah, the Mets are so far out in front in the NL East, we'll be interviewing the first base coach, and it's not even May. That and a preview of the weekend series coming up next. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's... Josh Lewin, Mets and Phillies starting tonight at City Field. The Braves in next week. And yes, the guy who will be yelling back whenever a pitcher throws to first. The great Wayne Kirby is who we'll be introducing you to in depth in just a bit. Josh Lewin with you. First base coaches are much more important than they used to be. Reshaping the running game, uh, reading every tell from a pitcher, and, and trying to bring back the art of the stolen base now. Tom Verducci had a great line about first base coaches years ago. He wrote, traditionally, the job has been to baseball what playing the kazoo is to woodwind instrumentation, what finger painting has been to portraiture. It's true that no other uniform position in sports inspires more people to make the boast, well, I can do that. We've seen from Jim Harbaugh to Bill Murray to the San Diego Chicken, all of them have been first base coaches at some point. But now... They are basically forensic specialists with video and stopwatches and spreadsheets. You can't just stick Mickey Mantle there as an ornament, as the Yankees did in 1970, trying to boost their attendance. Davey Lopes getting hired by the Phillies in 07 may have been the tipping point. Charlie Manuel was the manager of the Phillies then, and he told him, you're our offensive coordinator like in football. I'm the head coach. You coordinate the running game. And really, ever since then, that's what most teams have done with this position. First base coaches scout for hours before a game. What count, what situation is this pitcher likely to throw some big looping breaking pitch? That's when we can have even a slow player try and steal if we have the intel. Wayne Kirby, as this year's first base coach, does have the intel and loads of personality. You'll hear that in this about 10 or 11 minute interview taped in spring training. And true to form, as we're standing on the field in Jupiter, Florida, before the Mets played the Marlins, You'll hear a couple times some Marlins personnel, including at one point J.P. Aaron Sebia, just come right on and jump into the interview because they just needed to say hi to Wayne Kirby. I'm going to let that run just so you can get a, a taste of what happens when you try to have a conversation with Wayne Kirby. A little bit from his bio, he was the Padres' first base coach most recently, the Orioles' first base coach for Buck before that, was the Rangers' minor league outfield and base running coordinator uh, and that's where he and Buck first really got to know each other when Buck was uh, the big league manager there and Kirby was hanging out with him in spring training. And before that, a lot of time with the Indians in the minor league system. 
He played eight years in the majors with the Indians, Dodgers, and Mets. He got into 26 games as a 98 Met. We'll talk to him about that. Hit 194 with a triple. Uh, Did lead the American League with 19 assists from outfielders back in 1993. Kind of an Indians cult hero kind of guy. He had the walk-off extra inning hit in the very first game at what was then called Jacobs Field when that stadium opened up in 1994. And somewhat famously, his younger brother Terry played 10 years in the NFL, was a running back for the Dolphins and Niners and the Browns and the Raiders. 43 NFL touchdowns, including four against the Jets, by the way. Time to get to know Wayne Kirby a little better. Here is the official No Game Last Night interview with Wayne. Best background song in the history of the universe. Yeah. So tell me about your time with the Mets a million years ago. Because people that were paying attention know that you, if they look it up, you had six hits as a Met. How many of them do you remember? Uh, I remember the uh, triple against uh, Scott Erickson against Baltimore. Um, couple five on the road. Uh, it was a few, uh, may, maybe a couple bunts. You know, being being coming off the bench is a tough road. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then going in for late in, I was I was there mainly for late in defense because Hunley was would play a little bit when he was coming back off the rotator cuff, and then I would go in the outfield. So once he got healthy, that that made me uh, end up going back down. I was traded from St. Louis that year. Do you remember who for? I've got it right in front uh, of me. I don't I don't remember who for. Sean Gilbert. Sean Gilbert. Yeah. Wow. Remember him? Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing that was happening in 98, and it preceded you a little bit, there was a slightly larger trade involving a catcher. Uh, Mike Piazza, obviously, right. was the guy. Mm-hmm. What was your take? Because he was just starting to win New York over a little bit when you arrived. Uh-huh. Well, I played with Mike in uh, L.A. L.A., L.A. Yeah. L.A. And uh, so I knew what he was capable of doing, and uh, you, you need that slugger there. Yeah. <laughs> I understand the game. Sometimes you, you just don't fit. But uh, it was a good experience playing in New York, understanding uh, the way they like baseball. Well, like like players to play hard and like players to uh, uh, throw them balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you and I have this in common. We've both seen the L.A. baseball experience and the New York baseball right. experience. So mm-hmm. in your words, I mean, it, it, is it like going from cold water to hot water, or are there enough similarities? Or what was your take? Uh, very, very, very similar. Very similar. The big cities, mm-hmm. uh, they expect you to do your job, and they expect you to respect your job, and... You know, uh, you, you still have to be yourself, and um, you know, when it comes to fans and everything, the way they talk. I remember the Giants game no. in, in L.A., and you know, my brother played for football for the Giants, and I remember going in that series, one series. I think I was my first 21 at bats, but that series also pumped me up because I ended up coming out there, ended up coming out there with about eight or nine hits that series. Oh, I love that. So, so. I mean, I welcome everything about the big cities, and it is a difference. The yeah. venues are a, diff- a, a big difference. You go to Boston, you go to New York, Toronto, L.A., San Fran. Venues do matter, and you got to bring your A game every day. You mentioned your brother, and I, I wasn't sure I was going to go there, but uh-huh. you know, obviously uh, having an, an NFL brother yeah. has changed your world, right? I mean, you yeah. opened up some doors. I mean, right. uh, tell me about growing up with that and how that all progressed just in your family? Well, we, my, my, my mom and dad always kept us active, so we played every sport, basketball, football, baseball, just to get us off the street, get us away from the different crowds, and so we stayed active, and I remember Terry being such, 
you know, younger, he always played sandlock football with us. And I'm like, dude, you're going to get hurt. You can get hurt. He said, no, I'm, I take care of myself. And you know what? He grew up a lot faster than a lot of other people. And it made him a lot tougher. Because we were always tougher on a baby boy. He didn't always mama boys. But we were tough on him. Well, University of Virginia, for people who don't remember him in college, he was a stud. And when you grow up, as you did in in Tab, was the name right. of the town, but uh, in that area, you're, you've got to plant your flag. You're either Virginia or Virginia Tech. Right. Were you uh, at all involved in the process of kind of making sure he ended up in the right place just coming out of high school? That was up to him. He, he Like I say, he was a mama boy, and he wanted mom to come watch him play football, and it was only two and a half hours up the street, so that's what he wanted to do, and, you know, it could have been either one of them. I mean, he had went to uh, he had, that year, I thought he was going to Georgia, but when Vince oh, wow. Dooley ended up resigning that year or, or, or stopping, stopped coaching, he chose a different path. And uh, he, I still laugh at the draft, you know. He, everybody said he was legally blind that dropped him right. down the third round, and all of a sudden he go in the first year and catch 89, 90 passes, and I'm like, wow. So <laughs> anything can happen. Let me get you back to tab with two Bs, Virginia. Uh-huh. Educate New Yorkers on what it was like growing up in a place like that? A uh, lot of sports, a lot of sports. I mean, that whole area, that whole peninsula is all about football. You know, Lawrence Taylor, uh, you can go down a line on, on who, who played football there, Michael Vick, Allen Iverson, and, you know, everybody was, was, was very competitive, and it didn't matter if you was in double-A high school football or triple-A high school. It was all competitive. <laughs> So for you to, to get out of there and get into baseball, you, you've had such a fascinating journey. You've seen yeah. a lot of cities, played a lot of places. If you had to give me like your Mount Rushmore of experiences, could be minor leagues oh, too. I mean, if, if in 60 seconds you had to tell people, here's my travelogue and here's my favorite places I've been, what would you say? Um, went through every stage in the minor leagues as a player. Went to every stage in the big leagues as a player. And now... Um, I'm enjoying myself in New York, getting these guys ready to play baseball. That's politically correct right there. Mm-hmm. That's good. Was there a place in the minors where you're like, okay, I don't ever want to go back there again. That was tough. No. But you enjoyed everything? No, because coaching is about making making players better. It doesn't matter where you're at. The whole thing is watching the journey. And, and you know, and again, everybody said we're coaches, we're coaches. I'm a teacher. I like to teach. I'm a coach on the field, but I like to teach. And, and, and how much of it, too, do you derive enjoyment from what, when a guy is struggling, not so much physically, but mentally, being, as Clint Hurley used to say, a, a couch instead of a coach, right. somebody who can just kind of make him feel better? Right. Well, number one, you have to be positive. You have to be positive. And you, I learned all of that through my playing days. You're going to have up days. You're going to have down days. But you still need someone you can talk to. So I tried myself to become a friend as, as well as a, as a teacher as well as the coach, and if they got a problem, you know, we, we can talk about it, we can sell it, because you, we don't know what's going on at the home front. Right. So um, when, you be, when you build relationships, people talk, and, and they'll, come, they'll confront themselves. Who are some of the best ones that you had as a player, coaches, where you're, you now look back and say, boy, if I could do it like he did it, I'm doing it pretty well? A lot of them. I, I, I can't name one. Adam Jones was, a, was one of the guys that that I enjoyed when I first got to the big leagues, him and Mark Jacobs, I said, 
and we're going to do a little bit of yours and a whole lot of mine. So I, I didn't take everything away from I didn't take everything away from that player. I want that player to be good, but I had a few things that make could make him better, mm-hmm. and and they accepted that that I didn't come in and try to be gun ho on. I'm the coach. I do this and I do that. No, I want you to be you, but it's a few things that make you better. What about back in your own playing days, whether it was in the Dodgers system, Indian system? I mean, you, you had so many different guys right. that you bumped into. Right. Uh, early in your career, could have been in the minor leagues. Were there one or two coaches that kind of changed your life a little bit? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was totally different. I mean, I finally got it with Charlie Manuel in AAA. He changed my whole hitting style. He said, I don't want you to be a slap hitter. I want you to be a hitter. And he taught me a few things, and all of a sudden I started driving the ball. And I start hitting doubles, start hitting home runs, and it's almost like I learned how to play the game from the Dodgers. Hmm. Learn how to play the game. It's just a few things that was keeping me away from the big leagues. Because I always go back to ball with the best of them. It's just maintaining hitting, hitting doubles instead of bunting and hitting singles all the time. You've got quite an affinity for guys that, that speak in, in weird southern accents. Charlie Manuel comes right up. Here you are with Buck, who, right. who we still, we're still getting used to his Mississippi a little bit, right. you know, or his Florida, right. actually. But uh, tell me about working with Buck, because uh, and I was with him in Texas when right. he was with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. It seems like everybody's got like a, a one or two degree separation from Buck in this right. game. But right. for you, what makes him so special? He let me be me. I don't have to worry about Buck uh, going over my back because um, I love the work and I'm going to get the job done mm-hmm. no matter what it, what it takes and it takes something off his plate. He don't have to worry about me. And I, I mean, Ben, this is my ninth year with him. I understand what he does and I understand what he wants. And I'm the guy that relay, relay that message is for our team. Right, I love that. Now, finally, first base coach is a position where you got in his funny. He's taking a hug right now. I'm just going about to ask him about being social at, at first base coach. That, that to me, is... If, okay, okay, I'm supposed to say that you're the bleeping man. Oh, my so, Lord. But I already knew that. So, mm-hmm. uh, When you're first base coach, and, and Tom Goodwin did it very well right. uh, when he was here, you, you got to be the mayor. you, you got to be, you know, the fans are yelling your name, all of that. Uh, is, is that cool? That, I mean, is it that part of the job when you're a first base coach? Oh, yeah. My, 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 my job is to stay in the game. My job is also to interact with, with fans. I love interacting with them because I know they're going to say, when are you going to send them? When are you going right. to send them? Right. Well, I mean, you got to understand, I ain't going to give them. We only allowed 27 outs. I'm not going to give them one out. <laughs> Christmas ain't coming that early. So if, if I steal someone out, we, we as a team think that's a good situation to go. And you know, I'm a, you know, I, I remember one fan said, "Hey, Kirby, you suck." I said, "Tell me something I don't know." You know, I, you know, I'm a, if they if they can give it out, I can give it back. But I enjoy fans, and and this game is is all about smiling and laughing, and I'm gonna have fun with wherever I go. Wherever I go, I have fun. I've been in this league. This is my tenth year. Um, my tenth, no, my eleventh year. So. I know, I know where I'm going. I know what venues I'm at. I know I'm in New York. I know what to expect. And, uh, you know, all, all I can tell our fans is that we're going to give it 100%. We're going to play the brand of baseball. They're probably going to want to see, understanding the game and respecting the game. What kind of candy or gum do you want thrown at you this year? None. You don't, you don't want anything? You don't want gifts from the fans? No. I, some I, of them, like, actually want to give you Jolly Ranchers or, what? I mean, you don't have Starburst? I give them balls. 
Yeah, but, but you should get something for your trouble, oh, though. Oh, no. Just, just... Coffee no, cake? Nothing? No, all I want them to do is cheer for our team. Oh, man, you're the easiest guy to deal with ever. That, that, that's it. Cheer for our team. I'm going to have fun with you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to be a gentleman. And until you don't want me to be a gentleman. I respect everybody. <laughs> all right, you hear, heard it here first. Joey Cora gets all the candy this year because yeah, Curb doesn't yeah. want it. Curb don't want it. All right. So. Curb don't want it. <laughs> Thanks so much to Wayne Kirby for his time. Loyal Buck Showalter foot soldier and a really solid addition to the staff this year. So, Mets and Phillies about to re-engage. We're going to talk about that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, the Mets and Phillies have a chippy little rivalry. Even recently with Esdrubal Carrera and Hector Neris and some of the other shenanigans from the last couple of years along the way, but we can basically picture these franchises not as mortal enemies, but as friends, if we squint real hard to do it. 20 years ago, Tom Seaver introduced Harry Callis for Harry the K's Hall of Fame speech. And Harry Callis's longtime broadcast partner and best friend was Richie Ashburn, who was the first ever Mets leadoff hitter 60 years ago. And on the ESPN set, by the way, to help introduce that whole thing was Buck Showalter, who was working with Carl Ravitch, as uh, the great Harry Callis, may he rest in peace, went into the Hall of Fame. Of course, we now honor Tom Seaver posthumously as well with that beautiful statue you will pass and maybe have a selfie with on your way into the ballpark. Here's the deal with Philly. Even with the National League MVP and the Cy Young runner-up last year and a top-five payroll, they could not stop their postseason drought from getting to 10 years. The bullpen was bad. The defense was worse. So another season of Bryce Harper's prime was just wasted. This year looks like the bullpen is better, but that defense, ugh. So what the late, great Dave Niehaus used to call a catch-22 ball club. If you hit them 100 fly balls, yeah, they'll, they'll catch 22. If they could ever just get in the playoffs, though, they might be dangerous in a short series because that starting rotation is a strength. They've got Wheeler. Uh, Ranger Suarez has become kind of an elite lefty. Zach Nola is still a great strikeout pitcher. Zach Eflin's recovering from knee surgery. He's always been on the fringe but that bullpen, that's how they rise and fall. They've brought in Corey Kniebel. That should hurt, uh, certainly help. But this is mostly a ground ball pitching staff with a suspect defense. Alex Bohm is getting the project treatment from a couple of star coaches here. Kevin Long is the hitting coach. Bobby Dickerson is the infield coach. Remember, uh, the last time the Mets and Phillies played, it was Bohm that had those three errors in two innings and was caught swearing at the fans under his breath. As for Harper, the DHing of late because he's been hurt. He led the majors last year in OPS, led the National League with close to 80 extra base hits. He had 10 outfield assists. All that helped him win a second MVP before he even turned 29. But now into a fourth season of the 13-year contract, he still hasn't sniffed the playoffs. It was right around this time last year he took that 97-mile-an-hour baseball or fastball right to the face from the Cardinals lefty, Henesis Cabrera. And that's a pitch that could have ended his season or even his career. But he bounced back from that just fine. And, and by the way, it's where why guys like Pete Alonso 
wear that protective sea flap so what happened to Harper doesn't happen to them. The series begins at City Field tonight, Friday night, first pitch at 7:10. Saturday, don't forget, is Francisco Lindor Bobble Gnome Giveaway Night, free to the first 25,000 fans. It's a 7:10 Saturday game, and then uh, Sunday, 7:08 with the game on national TV, featuring the great Max Scherzer. Sunday, one day after Taiwan Walker supposedly comes back from the IL to pitch, Tyler McGill suddenly a must-see guy has the Friday nighter. So that'll do it for this week. Next week, full disclosure, I will be doing podcasts, but from an international base of operations. This is the long-awaited, scheduled-for-a-year fight-through-COVID trip to Italy that has been promised to the missus. So uh, just putting it out there. If if the podcasts sound a little different next week, I'm not traveling with a real microphone because I don't know that that'll get through customs. I, I trust no one these days. Let's meet the house band, the Mets in the Morning house band, in honor of being in Italia. On keyboards, Valentino Pascucci. Slapping to bass, Frank Seminara. The horn section, Moro Gazzo. And gotta have Mike Piazza on drums, right? I mean, he actually does play the drums. This is Josh Lewin. Buongiorno. Thank you very much for tuning in. Talk to you next week. Let's go Mets. Ciao. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.